Welcome to Girl Power Pod, the podcast to inspire and motivate women to feel empowered to pursue their dreams. In this episode, I met up with Sean Simpson from Kiva Landing Pad. Sean could be described as New Zealand's startup and innovation ambassador to the world. She's a true global citizen and has visited over 50 plus countries, both in work and pleasure. And she's been a remote worker from a very young age. So we met up and we talked about what it actually means to be a remote worker and how she balanced that with life. So tag along. Can you please start with introducing yourself? My name is Sean Simpson. Um, I'm from Auckland, uh, New Zealand, and currently I work for the Kiwi Landing Pad. We help New Zealand technology companies expand globally offshore, and I do a bunch of other stuff, including working with youth, um, helping people build their business. I'm a marketer by trade. Yeah, that's a bit about me. Great. So how did you get the job at Kiwi Landing Pad? It's a bit of a funny story. Um, I actually ended up sending uh, the chairman of the Kiwi Landing Pad, John Holt, a video CV and then a three-year plan of what I wanted the Kiwi Landing Pad to be. Um, And the background of that was I worked for a couple of New Zealand technology companies um, remotely. So I worked online with them and then I landed in San Francisco. I was actually traveling around the world working online. Um, I've been location independent since I was about 20. Um, That was a bit of a goal and a dream of mine to be able to be flexible and work from anywhere, really embracing the future of work. And I landed at the the landing pad um, with another tech company and then that was when the role came up. And so I submitted everything and then I got the job. What's your background? A bit of a varied background. So like I said, I grew up in Auckland. I actually grew up um, on a farm in Kalkopakopa. And then we moved to the North Shore, um, went to Pinehurst School, and then went to Corrin, which doesn't exist anymore. Um, I actually did my entire degree by distance learning with Massey, which was quite cool and quite um, different at the time. Um, I think a lot more people do that now, but it definitely wasn't cool back then. Must have been quite new then. Yeah, it it wasn't new. I just don't think that people realized it was an option for Mm. them. And I think with the way the world is going, everyone wants more options and more flexibility to be able to sort of do what they want but also get an education at the same time Um, and then I've worked for pretty much every industry under the sun so I did about three and a half years with Vodafone um, actually just out of school and I've worked in um, telco here in beauty um, roading and civil um, technology I've done a lot of video work Um, used to actually produce hackathons in in the United States as well and um, yeah I've been running the landing pad so community building and strategy has been my main thing for the last sort of five years what did you want to be when you were little so I asked my mum this today because I knew it was one of the questions that was going to come up. Apparently when I was four, I wanted to be a mummy, which I was really surprised by. And then by six, I wanted to be a nurse. And then I think from 10 onwards, I wanted to be an entrepreneur like my dad. So hopefully we'll follow in his footsteps. 
So tell me about Kiwi Landing Pad. Yeah, so Kiwi Landing Pad, we describe ourselves as a community by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. We're basically like working with New Zealand's best uh, technology founders and talent to help them grow really amazing fast growth companies from New Zealand and help them sort of expand offshore. Um, and, and how it works is basically we work with introductions and referrals. We run a pretty robust events program, both online and offline. And then we give them the resources that they need um, to scale their business. Um, we do a program called the Sales and Marketing Jams, where we bring uh, sort of experts from tech companies globally down to New Zealand to share their lessons and learnings. Um, we do a webinar every single week that focuses on sales, marketing, product management, customer success, um, those really meaty topics of how do you actually grow the functions in your business, um, and a bunch of other stuff that's a bit more case by case, so a bit more bespoke to the specific company that we're working with. So how would you describe New Zealand businesses on um, an international market? I think New Zealand has a really exciting opportunity and I guess the internet just gets better um, as the years go by, as does technology. So, you know, really um, we can be global from day one. Um, and yeah, I think the, the opportunity for New Zealand business is huge. Um, the world really is your oyster. And I think um, a lot of New Zealand businesses are well received and we're seeing some great successes um, lately. How do you think Americans see Kiwi and New Zealand businesses? I think uh, Americans see New Zealand business. I don't know if it's any different, actually. I think business is just business, right? And you do business with people that you want to do business with. Um, I definitely think they like doing business with Kiwis. And I think New Zealanders are known for being innovative and hardworking. And and yeah, so I don't think it's really any different. No. You're the best. If you're the best, people will work with you. Yeah. I think Kiwis just need to um, be a little less humble on that yeah. on that front and just own it. If you know, if you have the best technology, then then you are the best, and and just to to be okay with those statements. And I think we're actually getting there. I think there's a lot of work being done in New Zealand where people are uh, getting a, a little bit more open and are being a little bit more aware of you know it's okay to be successful and actually let's celebrate that. What's one piece of advice for a company that might want to go on a global market? My one piece of advice for a company wanting to go global would be to do your research, um, really understand the market that you're going to, why you're going there, um, where are your customers and how do you sell into that market, um, what are the intricacies and I guess the business etiquette and the culture, um, and then maybe actually doing a bit of a recon trip, so getting the lay of the land, going there yourself, understanding how it works, I think that's the best way to start. As a remote worker, how do you find balance between work and pleasure with all the traveling that you do? I think the nature of um, my travel, uh, it was actually a goal of mine in my third year of university. You know, I was already doing my university online, so I wanted to be able to work mm. online as well and travel around the world. Um, so I guess an art is my travel work or pleasure. It's kind of both because I can take all of my work with me that's actually why I just moved to Waiheke realizing that you can get fiber broadband over there and I can do my work which is largely global from anywhere and so I chose to do it from there I um, was really excited when I got fiber installed maybe way too excited given that it's just the internet but it's really fast so I know you've been traveling a lot and I always get asked this this question and I find it really hard to answer but I thought um I'll ask you what have been some of your favorite countries so far Favorite countries, um, you know, I have a few cities that I just absolutely love going to. So I really like spending time in San Francisco, in Paris and in London. In terms of unique spots that I've been to, um, I have a pretty special 
place um, in my heart for Zambia. I actually did a 350 mile bike ride um, through there in 10 days, I think in 2016, and we were raising awareness for HIV and AIDS and also girls' education. Um, and the special thing about it was not only did we ride the entire length of Zambia, um, and we weren't on roads, we were definitely off-road and meeting the local communities, was we got to meet the people who are actually receiving the money that we were investing. And it was the fifth year that we did that bike ride. Um, so it was nice to see what a micro-investment over time and the impact that that had on that community. And um, yeah. So you're back with a group of people. There was about 30 of us. It's called Bike Zambia. It's backed by an organization called Choda. And um, yeah, so we ended the ride at um, Victoria Falls. Um, I actually did a, a like bungee swing off Victoria Falls, which was quite cool. Um, they're some of the biggest waterfalls in the world. Um, it was a really unique experience. That must have been an amazing experience and all the people that you that you meet along the way as well. Um, I've actually still friends with a lot of the people that we went on the ride with because, you know, you're riding almost um, 50, 60 miles a day with, with a group of 30 people and we were camping as well. It's not like we were staying in hotels. Um, and so there's a Norwegian family that I'm quite close with and I go visit them in Norway. Um, my friend Christy, I went and visited her in China. Um, so it's really fun seeing everyone around the world. How do you plan your work with all the traveling that you do? Yeah, so I guess like I said, I um, can take all of my work with me. So I'm, I'm quite lucky. I actually break up my year into um, segments. So there's some stuff that I'm responsible for where I physically have to be in a place. For example, the sales and marketing jams, I actually have to be in New Zealand. Um, and when I work with SASTA, that's in February. So I have to go to San Francisco for that. Um, so with the majority of my work that I can do online, I then have sort of um, different trips that I do. So for example, June and July are usually my content portions of the year where I do the large, um, the majority of my content production in terms of blogging and writing and, and video and um, planning. So I, I like going to an inspirational sort of place. So one year I went to province and just looked at the lavender fields and I really like sort of writing and then going and exploring the lavender um, at the end of the day. And I think... For me, it is really important to switch off, but it's really lucky that I can go and work from anywhere. Um, really, you just need power and an internet connection. Um, the only caveat to that was, I remember my um, chairman from the Kiwi Landing Pad, he laughed at me one day. He was like, why are you up at like 3 a.m.? I'm like, well, our webinar program doesn't just stop because I'm in, I think I was in um, Turkey. And I, so I was getting up at 3 a.m. And, and doing our webinars and talking to our community. And um, yeah, so... I guess I just kind of get it done. And if I want to be in a place, I just make sure that I'm doing my responsibilities at the same time. How do you think work is going to change in the future? Oh, such a big question on everyone's mind. Everyone is talking about it. Yeah, the future of work. It's going to be the, the buzz topic for 2019. It already kind of is. Um, how's it changing? I think, you know, the nature of our roles. I mean, look at me. I do a lot of project work. Um, I don't just have one specific job that I'm deeply tethered to. Um, I have lots of projects that I work on um, and I sort of look at it as I'm responsible for a program of works. Um, I think where and how we're working is quite different. Um, and, you know, sometimes when I sit at my kitchen table, people just come talk to me and I'm like, I'm working. And they're like, but you're at the kitchen table. I'm like, yes, but I'm still working. And so I think we need to wrap our heads around, you know, 
how and and where people are working is just very different from what it has been. I think there'll be a bit of a there's a bit of a generational divide at the moment where a lot of people are used to a set way of doing things and then and then people are changing that and we need to understand that it's not wrong, it's just really different. Um, and then I think there's a whole lot of questions around are we prepared for the jobs of tomorrow? Um, what's going to happen to the education system? Um, do we need to be teaching the behaviour or the knowledge? Um, which one is it? Um, are we prepared for the the world at large today? Like with what's going on in social media or coping mechanisms for the volume of information that's coming at us? Um, and then in the workforce as well, um, how do you prepare, you know, quite traditional corporates to have maybe someone come into a project role for three months and then leave again? And how do you sort of entice them or make them realise that sometimes just getting someone for this very specific expertise to come and, and give that and treat them sort of as one of the team, knowing that they're going to leave again. How do you think you build a strong work culture in that kind of environment? I think building work culture like today and in the future is going to be really different, but it kind of comes down to we are all human beings and we're all people. And so I think treating that accordingly and then having sort of openness and honesty and transparency and maybe more empathy in the workplace will probably go a long way. So tell me a bit about the Future of Youth program that Kiva Landing Pad runs. Yes, so um, there's three parts to it. So I guess it's actually called the Y Pilot, and it's a collaboration with Kiwi Landing Pad. And one of the programs of the Y Pilot is the Juniorpreneur program. And it sort of came up when we started noticing that students, like high school students, were coming to our sales and marketing jams. Um, they were typically quite entrepreneurial, slightly disengaged with school, um, mainly because they'd learned everything, they'd already got their credits, and they were looking for more interesting information um, and to be part of a community that was, you know, what they wanted to do with their future. So we noticed some of these um, high school leavers and one of them said, well, you'd followed the alternative path. You know, you you went to uni later, you um, had, you know, a very experiential education that you created yourself. Can you teach me how to do that? And so I thought about it and I said, well, yes, in theory, I just need to teach you what I did. Um, it was actually a lot harder than I thought it was, but it, it worked. Um, so basically we launched the Juniorpreneur program and we sort of did a, a year-long tech gap year. It was um, largely informal, but there are a lot of different parts. And so this year we're actually formalizing that program um, because it was successful, you know, the three young people are doing really well two of them have got jobs and um, one of them um, got a scholarship to Duke University and um, they were, everyone just kind of got what they needed from the program which was quite cool but it was very different for, for each of them um, but most exciting for me was I taught them how to remote work you know they visited many countries um, they were with me in Paris and London and they came to San Francisco and they got to shadow amazing CEOs and entrepreneurs and tech companies and got to meet really really cool people um, um, and they also did a lot of learning. Um, they learned how to network. They learned how to sell themselves. They also learned, um, one of them wrote a blog post about eating humble pie. Um, there's a reality of being prepared when you're coming out of school that you're maybe not necessarily prepared for, you know, the university of life, as we like to call it. And so that's kind of what the program um, encompasses is how do you learn about the world and everything that's going into it and what you should do with your life, as well as learning all of those sort of more soft skills, but also being connected to a like minded community and creating opportunities for yourself. So we sort of help them with that. Um, so the Y Pilot is the community portion and then the Juniorpreneur program is a program we're actually launching pretty soon. We want to put 30 people through the program this year. 
Um, it's about 20 weeks, eight hours a week, and then the people who are successful after that will go into the immersive, which is where they get to go overseas and, and have these sort of immersive experiences with the, these tech companies from the landing pack community. Who's the audience for for this program? So I guess the Y Pilot community is really for young people trying to navigate their life, um, to be around like-minded people, to hear from people who have sort of navigated a different or an experiential learning pathway. Um, I'm actually bringing together all the curators at the moment, um, which are quite exciting young people who have just done really different things. Um, and I'm not saying don't go to university. It's something that you can actually do um, in conjunction, um, which works quite nicely. And then, yeah, so there's a content portion, actually, all the young people on their journey, they did a blog every single week. So they've actually written about what it's like to be an 18-year-old navigating the world today. Um, so we're really excited to share that content. Um, the other part of that is that I was maybe a bit surprised by is parents wanting to know what their children are going through and experiencing. I think they will be a really great audience because they'll be able to read content from other young people and being like, oh, you know, my son, my daughter um, is going through exactly this thing. Maybe they can give that content. And then also um, for corporates and businesses and organizations with um, these workforces changing and you know more generations being in the workforce than ever before I think it'll be a source of uh, like a resource for them to be like oh okay this is this is what we're facing and this is how we can sort of maneuver or, or adapt our workforce to to cater for for these new generations coming in. Yeah I think we'll definitely see a lot of changes and especially in big corporates and how they work. I mean just expecting people to be at work between certain hours is already changing with the flexible working environment. Even how you deal with young people today, I mean I mentored three of them for a year. Um, I felt like a bit of a foster parent actually but just you know when I was growing up it was this is why don't ask questions. Whereas for them, that doesn't really work. They, they want to know why. And they, they almost take it personally if you don't say, actually, this is what I think is best for you because I've actually had these experiences and I'm drawing on that information. And then they're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But if you're just like, this is how it is, yeah. they're like, well, we don't buy that anymore. You know, it's not enough for them. So what do you think about the future of youth? Future of youth. I'm really excited for the opportunities that young people have ahead of them. Um, I think in so many ways, they're a lot more worldly um, and they definitely have a lot of resources. I, I think we're going to see just so many more entrepreneurs or sort of small business owners or, you know, internet entrepreneurs um, happening. Um, I guess the one thing for youth that I'm a little bit concerned about is just where mental health is going and how we can get anxiety um, and depression and those things under control or if, if our young people have the coping mechanisms that they need to, that they know what to do when they find themselves in those situations. Um, it's completely natural to have days of depression um, and I think in New Zealand maybe we don't talk about things as much as we should um, but I definitely think it's all changing so I'm, I'm a bit apprehensive about mental health and social media and anxiety and where that's going but I also think that there's an amazing opportunity for for youth and young people to have really incredible lives um, and I think the businesses that they're going to create and what they're going to demand from brands in the future is going to be really interesting. Um, I actually spoke on a panel the other day um, and we were talking about, you know, kind of expectations and the future of work. And like, well, if purpose isn't built into your into your um, business, like that's just should be the status quo these days.
So how do you find work-life balance? Yeah, I was actually thinking about this this morning, um, work-life balance. So I've been on this journey with trying to not work all the time. Um, It's my default. I'm really good at it. Um, And especially like kind of, I hate this term, but being a digital nomad, it's like if you can take your work with you anywhere and you want to build a a good life for yourself, um, then usually I was always working. And I've kind of learned that maybe that's not the best or most sustainable way to live. Um, Moving back to Waiheke was an effort to force myself to have a lifestyle. You know, Waiheke is one of the most beautiful places in the world. Um, And I'm really lucky. And I, instead, of commuting because you know Auckland's just going to get more and more people I didn't want to spend hours in a car so I decided to commute my boat um what I was actually thinking about this morning though is my internet is so good at home I have all of these co-working spaces and friends offices with startups in town that I can work from but I'm like my wi-fi is really good at home so it's almost more productive for me to actually work from home and then come into town for my meetings when I need to have meetings which I do about three days a week and then I'm still on the road a lot as well so you know I've got um trips to San Francisco and Singapore coming up um and then I'll be sort of in London and a few other places um throughout the year which is really exciting um, I do think it's important to switch off. I actually just had a two-week holiday. I went on a cruise. Um, it's not just for old people. It was really fun. But there was no internet. Um, and I guess one of the things that I learned and is encouraging, you know, because I'm a digital marketer, so I'm always online, is, you know, interesting isn't always online. Like, interesting happens in real life. And I think that's something, it sounds lame, but we actually really do need to to remember that um, instead of checking our phones all the time and, and looking at Instagram or, or being on Facebook. Um, one of the trends I'm noticing actually lately is a lot of my friends are getting, you know, different Facebook accounts or new Instagram accounts where they've decided that they just want a really small number of people to see what they're doing in their day-to-day lives. Um, and I might follow that trend as well. Um, I think being connected to your business community is really wonderful, but maybe not all the time. What else? Work-life balance. Um, I sleep a lot, so I make sure that I get, you know, a good amount of sleep. I actually travel with my pillow um, because I've got such bad back and neck. Um, from a few injuries that can cause chronic pain for me. Um, So I travel with my pillow, which um, gets me a few weird stairs, but I'm sort of guaranteed usually a really good night's sleep with that. Um, And then I walk or run basically every day. Have you ever been burned out? I have been burned out. Um, Probably was actually quite burnt out at the end of last year and and the same the year before, um, just because I didn't know when to stop. And um, so, yeah, you you have to learn how to say no. And I think what's interesting is when you – you know, when you, your profile raises or when you've got a community of thousands of people, um, you've always got people who want to meet with you and you want to meet with them, but it's just sort of realizing what do you need to focus on right now and, and that it's actually okay for, for you to say no to some things um, if you need to prioritize your health and that usually people will understand. Um, but I think it's a hard thing for most people to, to learn. Um, and my biggest thing was just learning um, that it's okay to just be and that I don't need to be on all the time. Um, I tend to overthink a lot. So I just actually had my first two weeks where I didn't think at all. Coming back to work today was quite uh, quite confronting because everyone's like, rah, I was like, oh, I haven't done any thinking for two weeks. So this is a lot, but it's good. Um, yeah, I'm, re- I'm really happy to to have figured some of that stuff out now. Sounds like you're onto it. What has been some of the biggest challenges in your life? Yeah, biggest challenges. Um, so I guess I have had four family suicides. Um, so that has that was really, really hard. Um, yeah, 
I think overcoming those, it took me a long time. Um, and that's why I'm so passionate about mental health now and especially my own mental health and, and helping other people navigate that journey. I do think it's definitely a challenge. Um, how I got over that um, initially was, was a lot of drinking, but then I stopped doing that. Um, and I went to talk to someone and then I just figured out that if I wanted to be the best version of myself that I actually had to work on me. And so I spent, you know, a better part of a decade working on myself and being the best person that I could be um, and just processing and looking after myself um, and I have a bit of a phrase if in doubt run it out um, yeah so running for me was definitely a way to clear my head and make sure that I was okay um, yeah and so now I'm doing really good that must have been super tough I had one when I was five two when I was 16 17 and then uh, one when I was 22 yeah yeah it was it was super tough um but I think, you know, over time you develop, you unfortunately develop a capacity for dealing with things because you've, you've been through a lot. And I think one of the things now is, you know, there's, there's a lot of that in the startup community and there's a lot of that in New Zealand. And, and I, um, yeah, I think, I think it's definitely really hard to talk about, but I definitely think that um, that's why I'm so sort of, passionate about helping young people find the mechanisms they can for coping and how I'm really interested in community and bringing people together and I think there's a there's a element in that cohesion of bringing people together that will actually save save people and take them along a journey that's really healthy for them so what would you say to someone that is feeling depressed or down or what would be your piece of advice to give or do you have something that you do when you feel a bit down you know when I have my down days um I like to exercise um I like to distract myself um usually I'll call a friend and just have a yarn um and the biggest thing I learned recently was just it seems like the opposite advice to anything else but go put yourself in the busiest place that you can um, it's actually really distracting and also really interesting to be in a really busy room when you're not feeling the best. Um, yeah, I just, it was an experiment that I tried recently and it actually worked really well. Um, and then I think you need to be kind to yourself as well. Like it's okay to feel that way. Um, yeah. Do you have a quote? Do you live by? My quotes for 2019, um, no hangups and make memories. And so in, in any moments when I'm about to have a hang up and those can be insecurities or if someone's mean to you or, you know, if you have a challenging day, I'm like, no, you can't be hung up on this. Just just get on with it and, you know, feel what you're feeling. But, you know, maybe don't dwell too long or, or spiral. Um, and then the make memories thing, you know, we've only got so many days on, on earth. So I think make the most of it. Um, you know, if it's sunny outside, go outside. Um, we, I, don't, I think we need to be really grateful, um, especially coming from New Zealand. Um, I mean, I get to work online, live on Waiheke, travel around the world. So really I should, um, I'm really lucky. And so I think make, making those memories and, and making sure that, you know, I'm aware that that's my life and, and that I'm really grateful for it. It's good to, good reminder. You mentioned earlier that you are going to start your own business. Would you mind telling the listener a bit about what that is? 
you know, um, at Kiwi Landing Pad, we built a really amazing community. We've got 6,000 people in it. Um, it was about 200 people when I started. And so I've learned a lot about community management and community strategy um, over the last sort of five years. And so I'm really looking, I really want to help other people grow their own communities. Um, and so starting a business around how to help um, potential community managers um, learn about how to be a community manager and then also brands figure out how to grow brand-owned communities in New Zealand. How can we empower more women to believe in their um, in their self and, and their ideas? A friend of mine said this, so I'm going to pull for from her. Um, you can't be what you can't see. And so I think we just need to continue sharing the journeys and, and having communities for women, um, by women, um, who have been there and done that and who are currently doing it. Um, I think we also need to give other women a hand up. Um, I think sometimes we can be hard on ourselves and hard on others. Um, and so maybe being a bit more open-minded and, and just giving a helping hand where possible. Um, and then maybe we should have some programs or something that really help people. But I definitely think that community is that the answer. And then also just as a woman yourself, having the self-belief that you are worthy and that you probably do have great ideas. And that, um, yeah, then it's just about executing. Um, a lot of execution is just being consistent and, and doing it. So do it. <laughs> Why do you think it's important to have female leadership or equality in leadership? Why is it important to have? I think it's important to have um, female leadership and equality because it, I guess that's that's a world, right? Where we are equal and diverse by nature, and I think um, business and leaders should reflect um, just how we are naturally. What is success to you? Success to me, um, I have talked about this quite a bit actually, which is I think success needs to be defined by the themselves and that success isn't necessarily money or property or assets um, I think success is very much down to what you believe it is um, so for me success was being able to um, be flexible in my job and, and doing what I'm passionate about and being able to travel around the world and work online um, I think success for other people you know if you want to have the perfect rose garden that, that could be your success metric um, I think sometimes we get hung up on, on acquiring assets and needing to have more when actually um, if you sat down and you decided what was enough for you then you would end up with what what your definition of success is um, so I think yeah success for me is having enough um, being able to work with amazing people um, having the flexibility to travel as and when I'd like to um, with a little bit of comfort and um, having yeah amazing people around me who make me smile every day so goal setting is, um, seems to be very important for you and it feels like you've always been quite driven. What's your uh, goal setting for this year and how do you set them up? Yeah, so I guess um, actually what I'm about to go into because I, I had a sort of two-week blackout no thinking period, which is really good for me. Um, so I'm about to go into goal setting for the year, which will just be a couple of years of looking back on the on last year and being like, what did I like? What did I didn't like? Um, what do I want to spend more time on? What do I want to spend less time on? Um, I get quite specific as well. It's like, who do I want to um, spend time with? Who, who do I want to work with? Um, you know, there is a monetary goal, so how much money do I want to make? Um, and... What things do I want to involve my time in? I think time for me is sort of one of my most important values. And, and um, so I'm really careful around where I put my time and, and why. Um, and then my health was actually really bad last year. So this year, um, health is, is one of my top priorities. Um, it's making sure that I'm that I'm well. Um, and I've actually got quite a serious um, knee surgery coming up um, so that I can go back to dancing. I used to be a competitive Latin and warm dancer when I was younger. And so I want to be able to do that again. Um, so this year is a bit of a year of um, kind of 
picking up pieces that were maybe dropped over time and, and getting everything sort of in order so I can go back up to the world again with a, with a bit of a bang. Thank you so much for taking your time to do this. It's been great having you here, so thank you so much. Okay, cool. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Girl Power Pod. My name is Suzanne Axelsen. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe and please give it a five-star rating. You can also follow Girl Power Pod on Instagram. It would really mean a lot to me to hear your thoughts on today's episode. So please email girlpowerpod at gmail.com. I would love to get your feedback and I respond to every email. In the next episode of Girl Power Pod, we meet up with Mimi Gilmar, founder of Burger Burger Restaurants. She's a true businesswoman and she started her own hospitality business in the age of 16. She set her goal really high and by 2025 she wants Burger Burger to be recognized as the most inspiring place for under 25 years old to work in New Zealand. Make sure to not miss out on this next episode.